Welcome to the Pitching Nerd Show, where we get nerdy about the art of pitching. I'm your host, Sean Kitzman, a.k.a. The Pitching Nerd. Let's get into the show. Hey everybody, this is Sean Kitzman, a.k.a. The Pitching Nerd. This is The Pitching Nerd Show, episode 6. Today, I have on a great guest, uh, super excited to talk to Matt Kress from Bloomsburg University. He is a grad assistant pitching coach uh, with Bloomsburg. What is the team name of your team? Uh, we're the Huskies. The Huskies, all right. And then yeah. you are in the big metropolis of Pennsylvania. Where, like, where at in Pennsylvania are you? Yeah, so big state, but so we're in central PA. We're uh, right below Scranton okay. um, and about two hours away from the Philadelphia area, which is where, where I'm from in general. Sure. So right in the middle of the heart of the state, man. A lot of good coal mines. That's yeah. what we like to call it, the coal mining area. So, um, so it's a great place. So um, we know each other from a mutual friend. Um, now, I know that friend uh, from being, you know, a fan of the greatest baseball franchise ever. So um, how did you decide to, you know, join the dregs in the low end of the Boston Red Sox fan base community at growing up in Philly? Oh, it's it's tough. Um, You know, my my father is uh, he actually went to grad school up in up in the Boston area. So Mm -hmm. he fell in love with the lovable losers, the Red Sox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, during like the nineties when they were kind of, they were still not really doing great, but you know, they were starting to turn a little bit. Sure. Um, and then of course, uh, I, I came along and, uh, I started to really get into baseball, enjoy playing at, you know, younger years. Um, and of course, right when I started to check in on major league baseball and really start to fall in love, uh, it was 2003, 2004. Yeah, yeah. And we had, you know, Aaron Boone hitting the walk-off yep. shot. I remember waking up and literally being mad for weeks about Aaron freaking Boone. Yeah, when um, when when that when he when he hit that walk off, I was I, I was married uh previous to my marriage now and I said to my ex-wife at the time, he will forever be known as Aaron effing Boone. And then I yep. had to explain to her the the Bucky Dent thing, you know? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so uh, I remember that and then in 04 I oh, uh, God. you know, I fell in love with that 04 team, especially I know I was watching it during this quarantine. I was watching some of those ALCS games. And the funny thing is is um, the more you get into baseball, the more you can appreciate individual talent For sure. in, in my opinion. Yeah. So I was watching those games and I was like, man, those Yankees lineups were stacked with, you know, of course the A-Rods, the Jeters of the world, yeah. but like they had Giambi, Sheffield, yep. Yep. Um, Hideki Matsui killed them in the ALCS Dude, Matsui no was So I saw um, in, so this has to be what, two, uh, 2002, I think? I can't right. remember. So whenever Roger was going for 300, right? Right, so, right. Um, the Yankees made a stop. I was living in Michigan at the time. I'm from Michigan. So the okay. Yankees make a stop through through, through Detroit. And we, my, my ex-wife and I go buy scalper tickets down at Comerica, um, which, by the way, would be like buying tickets in Philly somewhere, right? Like, yep, yep. I mean, you know, uh, there was – I was kind of close to getting into a fight with a guy, right? Yep. Like he yep. was trying to hustle me for 20 bucks for a finder's fee, right? Yep. So anyways, um, that was Matsui's first season was when Roger was going for his 300th. And uh, <clears throat> there was a whole contingent – of Japanese fans that took up a whole section that, I mean, signs the whole nine 
Every time Matsui would come up, they would stand up and Matsui-san and, you know, Godzilla signs. It was the coolest thing. I loved Matsui. He was, he was such a great, he was such a great guy and such a great kind of leader, you know, um, yeah, I mean, like he was, he was great, you know. He was, he was, and he did, man. He got into the playoffs, and he was, he was dangerous. He was, and those teams. I mean, looking back, I, I always hated the Yankees, but the more and more time that has kind of uh, distanced ourselves from the '04 season and those those early teams. Um, I'll, I'll be honest, like there is a depreciation for just the pure amount of talent that were on those teams. Sure. Um, and even if you fast forward now into 2020. Uh, and I've and I've actually I've had some friends say this to me that are actually in baseball. It's like, oh, you know, I used to be an X fan, but now I just like I enjoy the way Judge swings it, sure, or I yeah, really yeah. really enjoy the way Tanaka goes after guys. And um, you know, I want to say I've softened up because you got to keep that rivalry going. But there's a little softening up. Yeah, just for see, the love of dude, uh, I didn't even like the the Red Sox were adorable to me until '04, and then <laughs> watching watching the Yankees fall apart, and I actually didn't watch. I didn't watch game five and six, I think. I didn't watch the rest of the series, actually, because I knew they were going to lose. Like, as soon as, as soon as, um, I think it was game four, because, like, you could, like, because we ran up Pedro, right? We we ran up Pedro, and then uh, we blow the lead at the end of the game. And I was like, oh, all right. But man, then you could just see the momentum build. Like, like game game five, game four, you could see that the Yankees. There was we we didn't have a chance, you know, yeah. not even a chance. And you know, um, as a uh, professional fan base GM, um, I think the reason for that is because you didn't have you didn't have a really strong core of Yankees on that team, right? Mm-hmm. Like you didn't. Ha- and when I say that, you know, people, it's so funny because like. You know, uh, uh, non-Yankee fans they they get so mad at me when I say shit like this. Like to me, A. Rod was never a Yankee, right? Oh, um, okay. Yeah, I don't I don't care what he did. He was never a Yankee, right? Um, he he never earned his stripes for me, even in, even in 09. Um, but because he brought more drama to the team than anything else, right? Right. So um, that doesn't earn like he didn't res- he didn't respect the pinstripes, you know. And so um, a lot of those guys, you know, um, they're just they just didn't have that that same kind of grittiness that the that the dynasty teams had. You know, it was a bunch of hired guns and it wasn't guys that were kind of built up through the system. You know, as much as I like seeing Gary Sheffield wag the bat and actually my favorite my favorite Gary Sheffield time was actually when he was with the Tigers, because I thought that I thought that he should have painted a a tiger tail on his bat because it would have been perfect. And I said it for a long time, like with that waggle that he had, I was like, man, it would be so cool if he was with the Tigers. And, And then, you know, like kind of had a stripe on stripe pattern on his bat. Not that the MLB yeah. would have allowed that because that would have been too much fun, but, you know. Yeah, I would have loved that. So the, the one question I have for you on that one, right, is is A-Rod, right? You, you don't believe he's a true pinstripe no. guy. He's a Yankee. Does, uh, the fact that he almost signed with the Red Sox uh, taint that for you a little bit? Is, no, is it had nothing to do with that before that. Yeah, it was, it was, it was way before that. I didn't even – like, <clears throat> it was the whole Jeter thing, you know. Um, sure. And – I won't say that Jeter's, you know, perfect and culpable on it by any stretch of the imagination. Because if you do enough research, you know, you can, you know, Jeter, Jeter's a bit like MJ, right? Like he held a grudge a bit, right? And so, mm-hmm. but like A Rod running out there, their laundry all the time. It was like, dude, and like 
bring in the drama to like if he would have came in and just would have done what so many other guys did you know you just come in because the thing with the pinstripes is there's no names on the back of the jerseys for a reason right like, that's what you have to do you mm-hmm. know and so yeah i just it, it, yeah I, I would have loved it if he would have went to the red Sox and sucked and then we crushed you guys all the time. And he and he was a cancer in the cl- club clubhouse. And, you know, by the way, like, I'm really bummed that Dombrowski's gone because I was looking forward to three or four more years of him gutting your farm system. And Yeah. Because I saw that in Detroit, you know. Yep. He just got yep. lucky he's a, in Detroit. He's a guy. You know. So, yeah. you know, he, he just, just got... cares about winning now. And, uh, you know, you see it at, at that Detroit stop and you see it when he came to the Red Sox. And did it turn into a World Series? Sure. Yeah. Uh, but were they kind of uh, now they're in a weird spot? Yeah. Absolutely. You know, but he's good at what he does, though. I mean, you cannot take anything away from that guy. Like, if you want to win Very now, true. bring that dude in. You know, like if you're mm-hmm. if you're Cleveland or you're, you know, like an old franchise that hasn't won in a long time, dude, bring bring double d in he's gonna gut your system but you will get a world series he did it in florida he did it well he came really close twice in detroit and then he did it in in you know in with the red sox so yeah i totally agree yeah so um yeah so i mean i think we could talk about this forever i mean now by the way i have to tell you though um i've softened on on one guy definitely in it and i can't believe that i that i can say this uh because like now Dude, I love Pedro. I love going back to watch <laughs> Pedro pitch. Like, he was, I mean, talk about a dude who just maxed his talent. I mean, good no. God. I mean, like, when you watch him pitch and you look at his numbers and, oh, my gosh, he was so dominant. You just couldn't touch him. Yeah. You know? I mean, it was he was incredible. He was pretty, man. I mean, just from every, every standpoint of numbers – just his mechanics, which I usually like to say, just his movements down the mound. Yeah, dude, his mechanics, mechanics for sure. And he kept his mechanics late into his career. I was actually so Sean. Uh, we, I, you know, I kind of talked to him and another buddy of ours about uh, uh, about mechanics, and um, I was looking at Pedro's mechanics because I was like trying to compare. So, uh, well, so they compared Debbie Garcia to Pedro. Right. Okay. Nope. Mechanically, they're not the same. Debbie Garcia's Debbie Garcia's knees go his drive leg knee goes valgus, so mm. he gets into internal rotation now. Pedro, even when Pedro was what he pitched with, who did he pitch with Cleveland? Who did he pitch it with? Oh no, no, the Phillies at the end of his career. He was with the Phillies. Yeah, no way. Like, l- l- go look at video of uh, or or pictures of him. Pedro's drive leg still vertical shin point toward uh, a knee pointing towards second. He's still holding that drive leg coming down the mound beautiful i i hate to say this debbie garcia is gonna blow his arm up that's there, a big time there's my hot take right yeah there's your hot take for the episode you, yep. get, you get one per yep. take and yep. I'll, I'll throw mine in later okay? yeah 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 no no he's he's gonna blow his arm up jeez because i'm doing that. i'm i'm doing i'm doing i haven't i started it and then i got off it but i gotta go back to it again i'm doing research right now i'm gonna go back at all look at all the guys that have uh had tommy john over the last five years and when I'm going to look at their drive leg. Yeah, I like that. That's something that I would look into. Because here's why. If, if you don't have external rotation of that drive leg, right. then, then the knee goes valgus and they lose the drive leg, and then they have to become rotational with their upper half. Yeah, I can, t- I can tell, Sean. Me, me and you, we can talk uh, throwing, yeah. the 
the motions down the mound and yeah. uh, you know all the other good stuff for a while. We could be good friends. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, except for your questionable taste in baseball teams, but you know, I mean, hey, that's you know, if you could look past it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You, you're, yeah, I mean, like. I probably could. You seem like you're an okay Red Sox fan, so you know, like that's okay, you know. So, so yeah, so uh, okay, so you're you're at a Division two school out in Pennsylvania, um, right? Not very far away from the Scranton shuttle. So, mm-hmm. um, and then you're you're a grad assistant. So talk about that. Talk, what's your what's your major? You know, how'd you get there? Let's let's go into right. that first. Yeah. So. Um... I, like many coaches, played. Uh, I played college ball. Uh, I started off at uh, Division One school, where it's actually I met our friend Sean yeah. uh, at St. Joseph's University yep. in West Philadelphia. Yep. Uh, and I walked on there thinking that uh, in my younger years I was, uh, I was amazing and that I'd be able to make the team <laughs> and that you know there wasn't even politics or anything like right. that. And I was quickly met with the realization that of course I, I wasn't as good as the other guys. Um, so I I decided, you know, I'd really enjoy playing. So I moved to um, a Philadelphia school called Chestnut Hill College, Division II. Um, and I pitched there for uh, five years. I actually broke my thumb for one, so I got a year back. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I spent a lot of time there, um, you know, starting for them, relieving for them. And uh, me breaking my thumb was like a really big point of deciding that I wanted to coach, right? So I had a comebacker come at me. I decided oh. to catch it with my throwing hand, oh. and that did not work out well. Yeah, and uh, and had a hairline fracture, and it was six months until I could throw a baseball. Sure. Game. All right. Well, great. And in that process of trying to come back from that injury and um, find the grips, find the feel uh, that you know you really need to fine tune your pitches, I, I feel like I lost uh, a tick. Like I lost the feel for my slider. Sure. It really wasn't breaking as horizontally as I really had before uh-huh. um, I felt like I was my arm was out of shape and I was really turning to anything and everything because it was during the summer and at that period of time my coaches can't really do too much sure. because of you know the scheduling and the yep. recruiting and all that so I quickly turned to a lot of just some of these what they call new school philosophies the mm-hmm. technology um, and really the scientific method of having an idea, having a hypothesis and testing it, yeah, um, which is not something that I really had ever thought of before that. Uh, so I got into Rapsodo ball flight technology. Sure. Uh, I got into kind of like these ideas of analytics and, and defining pitchers value mm-hmm. via that. Um, and so quickly as, as my career came to an end as a player, uh, I knew I wasn't going to play anywhere. I knew that it, that was it for me and I was going to graduate and I was going to be done. Sure. So I, uh, got in contact with uh, Coach Collins, Mike Collins up at Bloomsburg, and uh, he had the spot opening, and he said, yeah, you know, I'd love to have you up and we can talk about it. And I wrote a 45-page outline nice. on everything that I, that I thought was there need to be talk about, <laughs> talked about or things that I would do if I, I got the job. Mm-hmm. So we spent uh, literally a, a whole entire day. I got up there at like 10, and we spent the whole entire day kind of going through and uh thankfully i got the opportunity to uh you know have my first year this past year so uh we have i'm currently studying uh masters of education and leadership so trying to lose use a lot of those principles for communication sure. leading um our our athletes our pitching staff uh and we had our first year unfortunately short cut short by yeah. the virus of course but talk about one hell of a learning experience that was just so eye-opening to actually get the chance to have some philosophies that i currently had 
and continue to develop them and sure. tweak them um, while actually dealing with humans and not just thinking about, oh, I'd love to do this in yeah. my head. Or So it's it's been a very fruitful experience, and uh, I'm going to be forever in debt to Coach Collins for allowing me to, you know, break down that that wall and uh get into coaching dude that's super cool man i love that story that's that's a really it's an interesting thing i mean one of the things that i hope um if you well if you listen to episode three with dave uh jaeger the thing one of the things that i hope that kids get out of listening to this um or even guys that are you know either in college or you know whatever they're trying to do next is um there's so many routes to staying in baseball, right? right. And, you know, um, this is here's my next hot take, you know. There's only a couple spots open at the MLB level, right? I know this is oh, big yeah. news to everybody, right? I mean, big shocker there, right? So there's only a couple spots open. and But that doesn't mean that you can't have a life that's, that's, that's involved in baseball and make a living around baseball. You know, um, and there's a lot of opportunity for it. It's just people, they, they get that dream and they, they just kind of, they die, it dies after they can't play. So, you know, and I mean, obviously not everybody's meant to do things like what you're doing. You know, not everybody can, you can be the best athlete in the world, but, you know, I mean, can't be a great coach, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, no, for me, it was, it was just like at the end of, end of my five years, I knew, you know, this might even be me being nice, but 84 with sink and a good slider is not going to make it to the major leagues. And that's fine. And that's that's on multiple levels. Yeah. No velo. Yeah. And we're talking about, you know, outcomes and yeah. strikeout revolution and the home run revolution. Yeah. I just didn't fit the bill. And yeah. I knew that that was the case. But when I thought of it and I was like, do I really want to punch the clock nine to five for the next 10 years in something that I really don't love? Right. Or let's just roll the dice and let's see what happens yeah. and, and try to try to get into coaching and even get a higher degree from that. Yeah. You know what? I'm a continual learner. I'm more than happy to take that opportunity. For sure. Well, the other thing too that I, as so this is now my sixth episode. Um, and one of the things that, if you listen to every episode, the guys that I have on, um, they they definitely have a uh, a low allergic, they're, they're not allergic to risk, right? And so, and probably I didn't pitch, but like uh, just watching pitchers and knowing enough pitchers and watching my son pitch a little bit, you know, even just at like a community ball level, you know, you have to be mm -hmm. willing to take risks as a pitcher. Like you have to go yep. out there and say, Hey man, I, I deserve to be here. You know, like I deserve to get this yep. ball and I'm not giving it up. And so, you know, there's a, there's a, there's an element. It's funny because the longer I talk to people that, that, that are, especially around your age, um, being in business for 20 years, there's, there is a lot of similarities between business and, um, being a pitcher because yeah. you're a one man show essentially, you know, yep. um, things will happen behind you. Things will happen in front of you, but the only thing that you can control is where the ball goes, you know? Yep. And so it's yeah, a, no, I, I I definitely agree with that. I know I was listening to um, the Rapsodo podcast, and they had Dan Straley talk, talking with him, and they said, and he said the one thing that I really just couldn't get over um, for me as a professional baseball player was the fact that you got every year you got to change yourself. Yep. You're not going to have the same pitches. You're not going to have the same movement. Um, and then he, of course, he was talking about how he used Rapsodo to continue to plot what that looks like, so he has a really good idea. Um, and that and that's what it is. You you just got to continually 
have this idea of, okay, well, I want to take this risk and, and then we can even get into this because I, this is a, a very big piece of my philosophy. Let's do it. I just want to, I want to know why. Sure. I want to know the why. Yep. Right. And a lot of times I felt like I didn't know the why. That's why I turned towards Rob Soda and was like, hey, you know, I just want to see what everything looks like on my slider. And I'll be honest, when I first threw on it, no idea what any, any of that information was sure. kicking back. That can be an issue, but having that there and then like look, even looking back at that report that was like three or four years ago now i have so much more knowledge about what's going on that it just i can't get over how much information there is there and how it can aid your development as a player and sure I, and that's why one of the first things that i walked into coach Collins's office it's like hey i'd love this job but if I'm going to do this job, I want to do it with Rapsoda. I think Rapsoda is a great te- piece of technology. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Oh, well, we are, we're getting one. Like, Sweet. that's just something that we decided was was really part of our development plan." I was yeah. like, "Great, I'd love to help implement that." So, yeah, no, I think I think analytics is so important because I think that I, and I was I actually had a guy on earlier on. I shot a uh, earlier podcast yep. or an earlier episode, and I had a guy on that's in the White Sox organization, uh, Kevin Fullman. And uh, we were talking about how this this generation is at an int- really interesting time period because, like, it's funny because how old are you? Uh, twenty four. Yeah, twenty four. So you're twenty four, right? Like, but you're in a generation that didn't have Rapsodo. It didn't have analytics, yep. right? Yep. So so there's this, this there's this very fine line right now between generations. And obviously, you know, for me, I mean analytics was the gun in what happened when it, you know, when the ball hit the catcher's mitt, you know I mean? That was, right. that was analytics. Um, right. You know, when I was, you know, forever. So, but I think that there's, I think the, the biggest and most important thing um, that a pitcher can realize again, kind of going back to being your own business is that you have to be able to advocate for yourself. And for the first time in baseball, you can advocate for yourself, Absolutely. you know? Um, so, you, you know, the numbers and then obviously outcomes with the numbers, you know, I mean, yep. like you can have the best looking numbers in the world, but if you can't perform when you, when you take the ball, Absolutely. you know, that's, that's an issue, but the numbers themselves can, you know, really help people to a sometimes trust their gut and then B, <clears throat> you know, not get hooked on something that maybe worked once or twice in a, in a, in a moment of desperation and then you right. build this emotional connection to something, but it's really not that it's not what you right. think it is. You know, the, your own cognitive dissidence or your own cognitive bias with it, you know? So I think that it's a great tool. And, um, you know, I think that it's, I think that, that every, I mean, going forward, everybody's going to have to understand it, you know? Yeah, no. And I know, I'm, I mean, I've talked to a lot of people trying to continue to learn and it's, it's like there, there was always this idea, and I've, I've even heard of it as I continued to uh, be a player and jump into this. It was like, well, don't think too much, right? right. Don't think too much about what's going on. Um, and I was like, you know, I, I, I just disagree. I fundamentally disagree. I want to know what's going on, and I want to have an idea. And furthermore, in the way things are going coaching-wise is – there are guys that are players that they, they don't want to know their spin rate. They don't want to know anything. They just want to compete. And that's totally fine. Yeah. And as a coach, you got to be able to understand that there's those players and then there's the Trevor Bowers of the world that want to know everything. Yeah. Right. So for Trevor Bauer, you can tell him all the information that you're, you're taking on him and what it means and how we can affect it. But for those players that don't want to know, you have to be able to communicate with those athletes and give them a really good idea of 
what I like to call in baseball ease terms yeah. of what's going on, right? And so that's one of the, the big issues right now is we have so many guys that know what these numbers mean. And that's great. And that's great for baseball. But there's not as many that know what the numbers mean and are able to communicate what they mean to the player sure. who is not interested in for what's sure. been rate means. Well, and, and largely, why are those guys not interested with it? Because they've never been introduced to it. And, you know, I mean, what what does it take to be a good athlete? you got to have a pretty big damn ego. And so, you know, um, it, and also guys get really they get really superstitious and they get really emotionally attached to things. And so, you know, you could potentially be ch changing a lot of things for them that maybe, or maybe they had something work at the level below them, but it won't play right. at the level that, that they're at now because the, the guys are that much better. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, like, so for me, I've, I've trained martial arts for 28 years. And if you look at if you look at baseball and pitching like jujitsu, you know I'm a purple belt, which means I'm in middle. There's five belts in jujitsu: white, blue, purple, brown, black. So I'm a purple belt. I'm in the middle of the road. I'm seven, almost eight years into my jujitsu journey, and so there I can get away with things on white belts that I can't get away on purple belts currently where I'm at, and that black belts would crush me for. And right. so that's baseball. Right. I mean, like that's pitching like, yeah, in in third grade, you could get away with, you know, bouncing a ball in the dirt and the kids swinging it all. Right. But, you know, when you get to high school, you can't get away with that. You got to have something. And when you get to college, you know, I mean, it's just it's just this, these kind of stepping stones and to have and to have quantifiable data that can help you adjust and adapt to those things, I think is super important. Yeah. Yeah. And on top of that, it's it's like you got to have multiple different types of data. Now, in the grand scheme of things, would I love the biomechanical data that would tell me uh, how efficient guys are moving or ground force? I know that's been a really big one on Twitter. Absolutely, that's not in the budget, and that's fine. But what I quickly came to the conclusion was, is like, okay, well, uh, if I think it's their outings are important at live, when we do live at-bats in between our players, I should be tracking that. Okay, how do I track it? Right. Um, so, for example, like we came up with uh, player profile sheets on Google Sheets, right? So player profiles that have um, their wellness questionnaires that we ask them every single day, that ask them a bevy of questions about how they're feeling, what their weight is, how many calories are they intaking, what are their sleep schedules looking like, um, and then data on every single time they go after a hitter. Sure. And it comes off of another Excel spreadsheet that just has a continue has a um, you know, a couple columns that asked me for what the outcome of the at bat was and kicks back all this information of like, hey, what's what's your woba on your fastball? Mm -hmm. And that's something that it just comes from a, a nature of like, I wanted to know that. I really wanted to know like sure. how my fastball played versus my slider versus my changeup. And great, I understand that we couldn't get that, but I can provide that. And sure. this is how here how I can provide that. And I can hold those statistics and player profiles that you know, I, the Yankees are doing that. Yeah. The Red Sox are doing that. Yeah. All these teams have all these player profiles. So if, if you know, there's there's some flattering in imitation. And, and I'm trying to do my best to imitate For what sure. those major league teams are doing. For sure. It'll be interesting to see. Well, like when I, I'll be interested to see how the ground force reaction stuff comes out. Um, right. That'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see how much they actually understand. So, so here's my theory, right? My theory on mm -hmm. baseball, why baseball doesn't understand the foot is because you can't see it. So everybody right. looks at knees, they look at hips, they look at elbows, they look at chest, they look at heads, 
right? But they don't they don't look at the foot because they don't they can't see it, and right. so they don't then then it's and also by the way it's really freaking complicated, right? Yeah, it's not that complicated if you kind of simplify it into into a couple ideas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so long as the guy is on one leg and he's well on two feet, but on one leg and he is uh, from leg lift to drift, um, mm-hmm. he should have three points of contact on his foot. Um, if he doesn't have three points of contact, then he's internally rotating early. Mm-hmm. So that's the foot. And the yeah. three points of contact is the outside of the heel, underneath the, the big toe knuckle, and the pinky toe knuckle. Right. If he can keep a supinated foot with an externally rotated drive leg, then he's then he's going to stay out of internal rotation. He's, his knee won't go valgus, and he won't rotate early with his upper half. If he right. loses those three points of contact, that's what's going to happen. Interesting. And that was that's all back to your talk about Pedro. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I love and I love how we can and I and this this, this is good and bad because I know I've I've run into bad situations with it as well as is like uh have you ever seen the website uh, baseball savant? Yes, I, yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, that's a treasure trove of of, of data just uh-huh. from outcomes like okay, well, how many how how much does your fastball get swung and missed, sure. at, right? And so a lot of times it's funny because you can see what's going on with those major league teams all the time. All the data's there. You sure. can see the side video of of um, just how they're moving down the mound. Um, and it's just, it's really interesting to see how those teams affect change. Yeah. Right? There's Because there's multiple teams that, like, for example, your Yankees, right? They, they pull multiple players that, uh, I'm trying to think of one, like Mike Talkman. There you go. Geo. Who knew Mike Talkman was okay? Yeah. He was like a good player. And then out of nowhere, they, I guess they, they work with the player, they talk with the player, they both make changes, and they help them, and the coaches help them, and next thing you know, he's actually on a tear for the Yankees. Right. And everyone's like, I've never heard of this guy. Yeah, or, or, or Gio, you know, I mean, Gio was dead, right? I mean, like, or Luke yeah. Voigt, you know, Luke Voigt never got a shot. It's too bad. It'll be interesting to see with Matt Blake. It'll be interesting to see if they can actually, like, do that with pitchers as well, because, you know, uh, Tim's has done such a good job with, with hitting um, you know, I think they, I think what the Yankees do really well is they, is that they recruit athletes and right. then it, it's so funny because they're, I never thought about this until right now. They're kind of like the warriors a little bit in that they're, they, they, there's positions for sure, but they recruit, they bring in a lot of guys who are positionless players, right. Oh, yeah. And then they just stick them in places, you know, yeah. I mean, that was all yeah. of last year. I mean, Jesus, you know? LeMahieu, who knew he played first base? Next thing you know, he's yeah. swinging it really well. Yeah, like, well, I mean, it's impressive. I I think DJ LeMahieu could probably play, you know, almost every position besides catcher. You know, yeah. I bet you could put DJ LeMahieu on the mound, and yeah, he's not going to throw ninety seven, but I bet you could put DJ. He's a good enough athlete that I bet you you could put him on the mound, and I bet you he could go eighty five to eighty to ninety, and you give him a little bit of time, and oh, yeah. he would develop enough uh, stuff to you know like become i'm not gonna say he's gonna be you know uh cole or you know someone at that level but he would be a solid guy so yeah i mean i think you i think but i mean look at i mean now that he's gone but i mean look at like mookie could have played a ton of places right that damn guy's an athlete right i mean geez oh pete that guy's so good you know so i mean it's 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 pretty incredible yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how Matt Blake, who I know Matt Blake, had, he was a high school pitching right. coach, 
I'm pretty sure he was with Eric Cressy up at yeah. his facility in, yep. in Massachusetts. And I, I know that they do a really great job. And I've, I've learned a lot from them just picking up some of the breadcrumbs that they're throwing out there. But like, if, if we had the Yankees, you're saying they're developing a lot of athletes. Like if we look past the cheating scandal with the Astros, the yeah. Astros on the pitching side, they're exactly that. Like I know I, I talked a, a lot about, and he ended up flaming out a little bit, but Aaron Sanchez, right? The Blue Jays. For sure. Got traded yeah. To them. yeah. Aaron Sanchez was super talented yeah. and had, I think it was like upper 90th percentile in curveball yeah. spins. So yeah, if, yeah. You're, if you're will, able to understand how you're turning that spin into movement, which is really not that hard of a, a concept to do, holy moly, like you just got two cents off the dollar off of a pitcher who has all-star talent. Now, right. of course, Aaron Sanchez gets hurt there's a lot of other things he's a free agent right now but these teams are are getting bargain bin players like dj lemay he was an okay player he was pretty good i'm not gonna take anything away from a major league player but the yankees got him for nothing right and then next thing you know it's amazing player so it's it's just like and i know I, it comes back to a lot of this like coaching philosophy of what's going on in the major leagues like there are a lot of teams that are finding these players for two cents on the dollar sure. and able to turn them into the next level. Okay, great. What are those breadcrumbs? Let's try right. to pick up those breadcrumbs yeah. and figure that yeah. out. Well, I think it largely, I think it's, you know, it's funny because like it, it you, this, this era of Yankees um, is, is so much not like the evil empire, like of the, of the early two thousands. Right. Because they right. look so much more at player development. Cashman has yep. done such a good job of player development, right? My and, favorite topic. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But but that's what it is, you know. It's and 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 before, uh, uh, I mean, I mean, dude, in Boston, they had one of the best player development guys in the in a long, long time in Theo, right? Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that dude is in Chicago. I hope mm -hmm. he never makes his way back to Boston. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, like Theo is fantastic. It'll be interesting to see what he does in Chicago, you know, long term. But I mean, that's man or you know, it, for what? Probably the better part of 10 years. It just seemed like, oh, God, there's another guy coming out of that farm system. Or I mean, I guess probably the one of the better examples over the last 20, 25 years is Tampa. Right. Yeah. Jesus. Yep. Like how? How yep. do they do it? You know, I mean. It's it's incredible, you know. Yeah, I I talk about this a lot. I actually have a, a, a student manager who we promoted to a student assistant, and, and we talk a lot about pitching because he helps me out on the pitching side of the ball. And we talk about this a lot with the major leagues. It's like you have we know that there there's an upper echelon of player development in the major leagues, right? It's like the Yankees, the Astros, even the Indians are kind of in on that. Yeah. Um, but regardless, for time's sake, like those types of teams, right? Why, I don't understand why more people aren't just like continually watching what they're every single step that they're doing and trying to pull information from them. Now, of course, those major league teams have non-disclosure agreements sure. and all that. So it's not yeah. like you could be like, hey, Matt Blake on yeah, Twitter, yeah. I'd love to figure out what you're doing. Yeah. But, you know, you can quickly figure out by talking to even like the players that come from those organizations. Like, let's just say you had somebody come work with you that's from the Yankees organization. Like you can hear what they're doing sure. very, very quickly. And using some of those philosophies in your own personal development of your coaching philosophy. I mean, I think that's personally advantageous on my end. And I think that could help out a lot of coaches. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So let's talk about player development. Let's talk about, so what, okay. Now I think it's really important for guys to know that 
um, there is a spot at the college level for a mm-hmm. lot of guys and they don't even realize it. Yep. You know, they, if they're not, you know, they don't get, you know, recruited by a power five school, um, then, you know, or a power five conference, sorry, they don't get, mm-hmm. you know, recruited by a power five conference, then, you know, oh my God, my baseball career is over. And there's a lot of guys who give up on it because, you know, a, maybe they just didn't get a lot of interest or be like, I mean, Kevin, the guy I had on in the previous episode, you know, he's a great example of that went to the, you know, he grew up in the hotbed of baseball in Northeastern Minnesota, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, I mean, <laughs> the hotbed of baseball, um, mm-hmm. gets recruited, get, has, has a, has a visit, visits North Dakota state, you know, right. uh, for better or worse, hotbed of baseball, um, you know, and then goes and plays in the independent league for half a summer. And right. then now he's on the White Sox and in low yep. A and in high A, right? Yep. So, I mean, like, had he decided that his career wasn't over multiple times, yep. you know, I mean, so you're, you're, you've, you know, kind of quote unquote finished your first season, you know, unfortunately right. it, was, it was really short, but what is it that you're looking for when you go, when you're, when you're scouting a pitcher and you're scouting a kid? What is it that you're looking for in that kid? Right. And of course there's multiple factors, right? And we'll get we'll get past the grades, right? You got to yeah. have good grades. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. got to yeah. got to be a good person. There's got to be good reports on you, right? Cuz a lot of times I'm figuring out about guys from people that I know. Sure. So maybe I know a travel coach really well. I played with him and he's saying, "Hey, you know, I got a kid in this class who's really good." He's a good kid, good student, good family. Great. So we'll get past that and we'll mm-hmm. go into, okay, well, let's talk about player development. Um, of course, there's a hierarchy, right? There's a, the Division One, the Division Two, Division Three, and then you even splice in JUCOs because there's multiple JUCOs on yeah. different levels yeah. that are really amazing and yeah. turn out great players. And so there's a little bit of a pecking order, right? So you're going in and, and kids see, oh, you know, in the – in the 2023 class, which is currently freshmen, there's guys committing to Vanderbilt, right? So they're going to get the first lick at yeah. those guys who throw harder, really talented, and might even be major league players. But at the Division Two and Division Three level, there are so many great programs that develop. So for me, there's a lot of different things I could be looking in. I could be looking into maybe he's just really gangly, right? He does. He hasn't added a lot of weight. He's a buck fifty, but he's six five. Wow. You know, there's probably some room for development there. Um, then there's things like, uh, you know, he just started pitching, right? If I hear that, like, oh, he played shortstop, <clears throat> excuse me, played shortstop, and then we converted him to pitcher because he threw hard. Oh man, that's a great one right there because he's raw. he hasn't taxed. Yep, hasn't taxed his arm. Yep, we haven't had anybody talking about mechanics, anything like that with him. He's a blank canvas that you can really work on. And then the third probably biggest one, and I use a lot and we talked about it, is um, if you have some sort of technology and you know what it's kicking out to you in in the information realm, then using that is super advantageous. So I've said this on, um, you know, a couple of podcasts or to other coaches. It's like if you have a Rapsodo as a as a team, as a high school team, that would be impressive because that's a lot of money. Yeah. But at your maybe your training facility that you like to go to, you should take that. And you can send it right to me. I'll take that. <laughs> but that information gives me a lot better idea than me asking your travel coach, hey, what does he look like? And you're saying, well, you know, he's 84 to 87 with arm side run 
and he's got a good breaking ball. Okay, well, I mean, that tells me like maybe Nothing. one step, and yeah. I yeah, and I and I appreciate that person telling me that, but maybe I then throw him on the rap zone and I figure out that there's a lot of jump to that fastball. There's no arm side run, and that coach had no idea what he was sure. talking about, and the breaking ball is actually really not developed well and there's no third pitch either so i'm figuring out that this kid throws 82 to 87 that fastball it may look good but there's nothing else there right okay great that gives me more information on what's going on so i think as it comes down to it when it comes to me recruiting a pitcher right there's multiple facets but the more information that i can intake from an athlete the way better opportunity that I'm going to be able to give you a response on, oh, yeah, no, I, th- I think you fit. I think we could work this out and then move on in the recruiting process to some of more the, the more nitty-gritty things mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. You know, how many people are on the team and so on and so forth. Sure. Well, I think those are important things. I mean, I think that, um, you know, for kids, for kids right now, um, you know, my hope is that you – know, it's funny because, like, I have a, we have a 14-year-old, and here's the thing that I recognize – uh, 14 year olds don't listen to podcasts. And so, yep. um, my hope is that, uh, you know, we get a dad, uh, or a brother or someone who, or a coach, right. Yeah. Who's listening to this and they go, yeah, I, I thought this and now I think this, um, because it's better for the development of the player. Right. Um, you know, getting away from I, 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 the reason it's, it's so funny because the reason that I have this, uh, this idea of, of mechanics is because I've, I have a quantifiable model to go off of. Right. Yep. Like I went, so in hopefully I got to get back with them actually. Um, so I took this course called, uh, anatomy in motion. And uh, Gary Ward is the creator of Anatomy in Motion. And Gary has broken down human movement via gait in Mm -hmm. seven seven phases and three planes of motion. From the big toe to the head, tracking the skeleton. Mm -hmm. Ground force reaction. And so why is the skeleton important? Because the skeleton has finite movement. If, if my finger does this, and for the people who are listening to it, if I bend my finger, my, my index finger back so it touches my wrist, you would know, you would, even if you're hearing this, you go, oh, that's not a good idea, right? Yep. Why? Because the bone is going in a direction that it shouldn't go. Uh, right. If I open and close my hands a million times really fast, what muscles are doing that? Well, I don't know. There could be everything from, from my hands all the way up to my forearms, and which are doing it at which times, I don't know. It's easier to track what the bones are doing there because they have very finite movement patterns. Mm-hmm. And so I think that the more people start to look at, um, again, more analytics-driven data and more data that is not just how does it feel, how does it sound. Now, not that, not see, feel is an important thing too, right? Because Absolutely. if you don't, if you, a guy can have great life on anything he wants, but if he doesn't have a good feel for it, he's not going to go back to it in a pressure situation. He's not going to feel confident with it. So right. feel is something that's important, but I think that you can get to feel through analytics if you understand what you're looking at or, 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 or more, you know, kind of data driven material. If you understand yep. what you're looking for. Absolutely. You know, no, I, I think it's, it's, there's multi it's a multifaceted plan for me to get pitcher A to be the 
best that he can, right? Sure. Um, you know, we talked about grades, we talked about socially, but when it comes to a player development standpoint, it's like, okay, great, you know, he spins it really well. I know that's something that we like to talk about. He spins it really well. Great. Okay. But does he spin it really well when he's got a full night's rest? Right. His stomach's really full. He's lifted well, but he's actually not feeling too tired from that. Um, okay, great. But then what happens when he's tired? His girlfriend just broke up with him and he got two hours of sleep last night. And For I'm sure. asking him to go versus the best team in the state. Yeah. Okay, great. There's a lot of different things that you're going to go into it. And I think from my end, it's just as a coach, I got to I got to track with the resources that I have as much as I can. Just yeah. so that yeah. who knows, maybe one day down the down the line my wellness questionnaires will kick back and they have actually recently in my first year, they'll kick back something like, "Oh, somebody reports back uh, a a sleeping one, one out of five, mm-hmm. one being terrible, five being great. Oh, I slept terrible." And I didn't really get to talk to him, but I definitely had my student assistant come over and talk to me about that. He said, oh, you know, player A, he's, he didn't sleep well. He didn't really talk about it, but maybe that's something you should talk about with him. And that's just me using data to back up decisions of, okay, well, how can I help him? Maybe well, it's not even a baseball thing. How can I help him to make sure that he's okay and he's getting the most out of this experience as possible? Yeah, and that also goes goes to something else that's super important, right, is – how do you take that kid, that athlete, and build trust with them? Because, you know, yep. by the time they get to that. So when I work with, for the last 20 years, I've worked with athletes in injuries, right? So right. I have a, uh, a thing where um, if an athlete comes in past the age of 14, they're liars. <laughs> they just lie. And they yeah. lie because here's why they're liars. Because especially the higher the food chain they climb, because they know that the injury is potentially their cha- their, their their playing time, and yeah. so you know when you are 14 or 15 or 16, and what you're doing is athletics, then you I especially as you climb the food chain. So from 2008 to 2010, I traveled with a nationally competitive boys soccer team. Uh, right. They you know they went to nationals five years in a row. Um, 10 of the 11 played division one soccer. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, those kids from the age of 12 all the way to 18, they were put in situations where, um, you know, potentially an injury uh, or, or lack of performance is costing them not only playing time, but all of those kids wanted to play college soccer at the highest right. level they possibly could. So from 13 or 14 years old, that's that kid's life. That's his identity. Right. Or, you know, if when I was working with with women, young women or female athletes like that was her that was her identity. And so, you know, like you've got to understand that 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 injury and and creating a relationship where they feel comfortable with you. Because as a coach, see, here's the other problem for you as like a coach. If you're if you're you know, you're 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 looking to, to win. Every team's looking to win. But there's this very fine line between winning and, like you said, developing a player and fostering and building a relationship with him. Because if you're just purely based on winning and you don't have the trust of that player, when you go to them and ask them about the injury or why they got a one out of five, they may or may not tell you the truth because maybe it's their time on the hill tomorrow, right? right? Or that day. Right. So that trust level is super important to have. So, and, um, 
I think this directly correlates to, uh, you know, I've, I actually just took a, a class, which is great because, uh, you know, I, you got to be a continuous learner, yeah. especially on this relationship aspect. But I took one on leadership. Right. And so to start off the class, they asked, uh, you know, give, give me a give me a quote that really has affected you as um, somebody working in higher education right now. And I picked uh, from Theodore Roosevelt, Roosevelt um, people don't care what you know until they know how much you care. For sure. Right? So it's like, great, I can institute these wellness feedback forms and, and questionnaires, and I've seen them, I've been part of them uh, at yeah. multiple universities and, and uh, summer teams and all that. But it, like you said, it doesn't really matter if, you know, me at 16, it's like, I don't really trust this coach. Right. He's going to use this against me if I right. tell him I'm a one out of 10. Right. So I think... I, I totally agree. It's, it's it's about trust. It's about developing relationships. And it's about those players understanding that even though you're saying that I'm doing this for your, your own benefit, I want to help, you got to show it. Yeah. You got to show that you, you want to do it and you want to be able to let them hit that next level and self-discover themselves and use some of the um, tools in the tool belt, yep. um, like we talked about, like the Rapsodo, to really, and even like the wellness questionnaires, to really find that next level of, of who they, they can be or or maybe just really find a different side of passion in the game because that's that's what happened with me. You know, sure. I found a passion in this new age technology and it turned into, you know, in the early part of, you know, my professional career, a, yeah. a, a career, right? Yeah. And so you never know how that's going to affect them. It could make them a better player or it could turn into a 50-year career where they become the head coach at Vanderbilt. You sure. know, and they're yeah. amazing. Yeah, So. It's just about affecting people and showing that you care, right? So I know uh, I personally have my own podcast, and we talked about that in my first episode. It was about the middle ground of having the data and making sure that you're making decisions with some data and having the feel, right? Yeah. It's it, you got to be in between there. If you're not in between, then you're either um, like the the pitching coaches that I've talked about that just care about the numbers but can't communicate it. And if you got the feel, then you're making decisions off of no data and we both understand this, but if you're on the stock market and you don't have any data about why you're picking up a, a company or why you're buying stocks in a different company, then you're just dumb. Yeah, know? for sure. Yeah. So, you know, again, like I said, it's a, it's a middle ground. Well, and it's, it's interesting because it's, it's, it's so important that, that, you know, as people that, that potentially can influence athletes, um, it's so important that we keep that, you know, it's just, they are still humans, right? They, there are still people behind this. This yep. is, this is a, this is a 19 year old kids or a 16 year old kids or a 22 year old guys life that you're talking about. And it's yep. his identity and it's, it's who he, it's who he has been. Now in two years that might be over, but you know, you shouldn't have so much ego and and lack of care that you don't see that you know this guy uh that we're you know that that you're looking at it, it he has feelings and 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 it's and it could be a, a, a pivotal point in his life yeah. you know yeah and you talked and you alluded to this a little bit but you're talking about like that that's their identity like yeah. my identity as a baseball player and that's something that i've seen a lot it's like I came up, I was the best player in my little league, I was the best player at my high school, and now I'm here at your university. Yeah. And that's what I'm known as. I'm known as Matt Kress, 
for lack of you know a name, yeah. Matt Kress, the baseball player. Yeah. Okay, great. And I I respect that, but we got to be more. We got to be multifaceted here. You for can't sure. be a baseball player until you're a hundred, right? right? So, one of the the things I've tried to do is is try to expose them to different ideas and different things. Uh, so I know that we've been exposing them to as seen. I I do enjoy some HR topics, leadership, growth mindset. Sure. So. What I've been doing is actually exposing them to leadership books. Uh-huh. So short ones, read a chapter, come back, synopsize it, give us a little rundown of what it is, and give it how it affects your life and our life, right? And I'm not going to lie, at first, I thought to myself, if I was a 21, 19, 20, 21-year-old, and my coach told me to read a book, I'd tell him to get lost. Sure. But thankfully, the, short, the shortness of the chapters and me not quizzing them on it has really actually grown and it really gets like the ball rolling and, and people love it. So we've been doing it before practice, before games. It's an, it's an idea I really love, honestly. And that has nothing to do with, with data analytics player development, right? That's enjoyable. But again, if you're not in the middle and you're not able to take some of that feel, that personable nature and data making decision making, then you're just, you're just really, you're not giving it the best you can. Well, you have, you have such a, uh, an interesting place to be at because, you know, the the minds of a 18 to 27 year old person are so malleable still, right? They're so influenceable. And so just by exposing them to, I mean, gosh, if you went back, if, if, well, case in point, if you talk to Gabe, my first episode, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I am sending him shit all the time. Like right. every book that I get that I or video that I think has an inkling of anything to do with baseball and pitching or development, man, like, hey, dude, you got to look at this. You got to read this. I mean, I've read three books in the last year that I've been like, hey, I'm letting you borrow this. Give it back to me, though. Right. Yep. And so and going back to the kids that I worked with back, um, you know, years ago. Uh, when I traveled, you know, I mean, like there was a couple of kids on that team for sure. Like I, we would talk about stuff and they're 14, 15 years old and I'm talking to them about, you know, ideas that I've gotten from this book or that book or whatever it is, you know? Absolutely. And so, yeah, I mean, you, you, you have such a unique, that's that to me, that's one of the best part about working with young people is that you have such a, uh, a possibility for change to help them grow into the person that they want to be. And, yeah, and I think that that's a, I think that is a position that um, needs to be respected and needs to be cherished because again, you know, like I had, uh, uh, I have a, I had a client that I worked with in Michigan. Uh, her name is Sarah Clark and she was a soccer player and I watched Sarah go from a crappy club team, like local club team that was competitive uh, county based. Mm-hmm. Right, go to in the period of probably four years, uh, climb the ranks, maybe five years, climb the ranks from that crappy team to a state level competitive team to a regional competitive team to winning two national championships on one of the best soccer women's soccer programs, you know, for, for youth soccer in the country. Right. She went and got a scholarship to Purdue, she played two or three seasons at Purdue, three seasons. And now she's actually transferred to Virginia, which is one of the best female soccer programs in the country. And 
I just texted with Sarah the other day. I haven't seen Sarah in three years, but mm-hmm. I just texted with her the other day. And the conversations that she and I had through text were, I mean, they mean so much to me. I can't even tell you because like I positively had an impact on that young woman's life. And yeah. I did not take that lightly. And, and I think that's one of those things that, you know, a lot of coaches, I think they try to do, but I don't know that they really understand how big of an impact that they can have, you know? Because yeah, like absolutely. people my age are, you know, I mean, and older than me, obviously, you know, there's this kind of tough love thing. And, and I think that, uh, that works for some people. I'm tough. Yeah. Love works good for me. Like, you know, it, you, you can tough love me a lot and I'll, I'll be okay with it. Um, I can't tough love my kid. He does not operate that way, you know? And yeah. so, yeah. you know, coaches need to know, you know, what button to push as much as you can, because that obviously only comes from, you know, as much, you, you can only get as much as the athlete's willing to t- give as well. Yeah. You know? And I've got two things off that. First off, Sean, I think we need to start a group chat and start sending each other uh, some articles that we're reading. Yeah, for that's, sure. It's something that I love. I mean, it's just the amount of times that I, I'll send them to even like my, my student assistant and stuff like that. And we'll go back and forth. It's just like the continuing learning aspect, right? Yeah. I, we like to, I use, you know, I hate using the buzzwords and stuff, but I like to use Kaizen. And sure. Kaizen is a, yep, is a I know Japanese it is. World, I know World, it yep, is. World War II one. And we use it all the time. It's like, you got to be continuously learning. Um, you got to be researching different ways to do something. Just, just you never know what's going um, to hit, which is interesting. My, I'm trying to see if my Deming book is in here or not. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I have a, where is it? I don't know if it's in here. It might be in here. So who knew that this was going to be a, uh, well, a data analytics player development, but we're also talking about personal development. Well, we're going to mash the two. Yeah, because I think it's an important thing to talk about, right? So so my practice name is Synergy Movement Therapy, mm-hmm. right? Which which comes from Deming and Kaizen, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, like, and, and truth be told, I probably would have, uh, I actually had, I don't know if I still have a shirt. Um, when I So I had a small martial arts school from, 2005 to 2014 and I, I had a young adult program and the mm. young adult program was called Kaizen self-defense nice. yeah so and I that like was that. back in like you know 2011 yeah. so you know yeah oh, yeah. I, yeah I think because <clears throat> the one of the things about pitching that I think is a really interesting thing is that you have the ability every time that you take the bump to face some of your worst fears and and things can go off the rails now and then yep. the next five innings could be great but if you let things when they fall off the rail now if you let that go and then all of a sudden you give in to that you don't know you could have the you could have one bad inning and then five of your best innings ever Right. Right. And then the growth that comes from dealing with that struggle, you know? Um, yeah, I think it's a super important thing. You know, I mean, my, my son played little league ball last year and, uh, it was the first coach that he had, um, that actually would let the kids like work, you know, like work, like, Hey, you know, I, I can see Johnny struggling, but I'm going to let Johnny work. Right. Oh yeah. He's got to work because now everybody's so you know everybody's so 
here's here's my old man get off the lawn right so everybody's yep. so like you know oh save skipper from the bad experience you know but yep. dude if you're gonna be a pitcher you gotta have some damn balls and the only way that you have balls is you is you have to grind through bad situations and if right. you don't and if you don't get put into bad situations like i was i i'm training uh jujitsu with a couple of my training partners right now a couple times a week and right now we're starting from worst case scenario Right. So like I'm in like and yesterday was awful. Yesterday was was I was guy on third, you know, uh, tie ball game, yeah. number three or four hitter for me. This is this is the position I was in. And yep. uh, I'm down three. Oh, right. Like, yeah, I mean, it is awful. It is the mm-hmm. worst. I got rode like a horse yesterday. But the mm-hmm. only way I'm going to get better than that position is. Next week when I go in, that's where I'm gonna start from. Yep. You know, and and there's and as much as my little frail, fragile ego would love me for me to go from a position of advantage where I'm good at, I'll mm. get less out of that than I will in in positions of struggle. And I think being a pitcher, there is a there is a a massive potential for human growth as a pitcher because you deal with struggle in a way that I mean. You only have control over the game for the time that the ball is in your hand and it comes out of your hand. All of the rest of it and your yours success or failure, regardless of how many times your shortstop kicks the ball around, regardless of how many times the, the ump needs glasses that are as thick as, you know, prison walls. Like, mm-hmm. like there's you have no control over any of those things. You can throw the best pitch in the world, right? Mariano Rivera threw through a good pitch, right? Mm-hmm. And then freaking Luis Gonzalez flares it out and we lose the series, right? I mean, like, you could be the best pitcher in the world. Put the ball in the best place in, that you possibly can. And the guy just gets to it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of... Uh... There's a lot of poetry in motion in yeah. baseball, right? And love people love to talk about that. But a lot of your growth on the mound comes from you being hit around. Yeah! Right? You're just learning how to deal with it, learning how to, to become stronger and, and tweak and develop. And uh, it's it, it's cool. It's I'm not going to lie. It's It's been a short amount of time of actually getting to see other people do that and, and you know, and, and helping them and, and, and being a coach in that nature. But uh, it's ve- it's surprisingly rewarding. Very, sure. very rewarding. Because a lot of times it's like I know I had a conversation with one player. Um, and it was, or with one coach and it was like, Oh, what did, what did you do to make his breaking ball better? It's like, I didn't do anything. I was like, he did everything. Right. I just said, yeah, I think this is a good idea. Why don't we try it? For sure. He executed it. And now he's one of the best, you know, he has one of the best breaking balls on the team. So there's a lot of self-discovery that comes from, you know, just being in that circle and, and, uh, you know, I know hitters love to say this being in your own world. Pitchers are in their own world, but yeah attacking from your own world yeah no i mean like you know if you talk to any of the guys that i work with like man i take zero credit for what they're doing right now i mean i've had a role i've had an influence you know um with like what i was talking about with my client sarah you know like i had a very small role i kept i kept sarah healthy right mm-hmm. like that's what i did mm-hmm. her parents hired me to keep her healthy right Gabe, my, you know, Pilla's, Pilla's mom hired me to, to help me because he came to me with a knee injury, right? Mm-hmm. Pilla's mom hired me to, to A, get him healthy, and then along the way, you know, I'd bullshit my way into this thing, right? 
So, but like when people come to me, that's, that's the role I take. If I can, if I can get them healthy and I can get them to throw more innings and recover better, then what happens is they can start to explore their potential. Yeah. And, and, and that's, I mean, cause again, you could have the best, I, and I had a kid. Oh my God. There was a kid I worked with this kid. So being able to put a head on a soccer ball is like a, uh, is like a, is like a, uh, just a blazing fastball. Right. Right. I mean, like, like a kid, a kid that can put a head on a soccer ball and put it where he wants to is like a kid that just comes out in his high school and he throws 95 to 97. Right. And I had a kid that was like that, that, I, that, you know, it, and this kid had the and I and I traveled around the country. It was one of the best teams in the in the in the country. And he was a couple grades lower than uh, than the team that I traveled with. But this kid, he could put that ball wherever he wanted to. But he had the work ethic, and he he played soccer for all the wrong reasons. Right. His dad wanted him to play. Right. He didn't want to play. And so you can have the best athlete in the world have all the best intentions unless they go out and they do the work. It doesn't matter. Right. You know? Yeah. You can expose them to whatever you want. And, and, and a lot of people, they don't, they don't, they don't understand that part of it because it's just deeper than, Oh, you know, so-and-so went out and you know, he had this game or this, that game. It's, it's how can you help them execute better? Right. Yeah. I agree. So, so yeah, dude, this has been this has been a fun chat, man. Yeah, no, I really appreciate uh, coming on and and talking about baseball, especially since there's uh there's only the KBO, and I don't know how much you've gotten into KBO, oh, no, but I man, that, that's a little late. I yeah, no. I can't stay up that late. No, and yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I just yeah, I don't know. And luckily enough, I've been able to work with a bunch of guys this summer, so it kind of keeps me involved. And um, you know, there's. I've got some guys that got some interest from some clubs and, you know, it's been, it's been pretty cool to watch them go through the thing. So, you know, I've got actually later on tonight, I've got a kid coming over and he's a high school kid and we're working on this mechanics and watching him kind of like go through, uh, the, they know that process has been super fun. Um, it's, it's super fun to watch a kid that already has talent. Um, but you start to show them, you expose them to different things and then watch their, you can watch them kind of grow and blossom within that because all of a sudden they have, they, they understand things differently and they understand th- their confidence levels. I mean, cause for a pitcher, like dude, dear God, that's the thing that you need to have as a, as anybody that works with pitchers. Like how do you, how do you make sure that this, this kid to your best of your ability has, you know, has rock solid confidence you know, yeah. he wants the ball every time you go out and give it to him, you know, and, and wants right. to stay in there, you know, isn't looking at the dugout, you know, trying to, hey, coach, come get me out of here, you know. Um, Absolutely. And yeah. I think, you know, I mean, obviously, I think that there's some danger to that as well. I mean, like, you got to know your kid. You got to know the guy, you know, like, but still, you get, you know, I mean, letting him work is is an important thing. And, and you know, so, yeah, it's been it's a it's an interesting thing to do. So what's what's so uh, you you've got one year left, right? On your on your GA. So what's after yep. this for you? Uh, <laughs> isn't that the million dollar question? Um, I don't know. I I think 
I've learned a lot and I, and I'd, I'd like to stay in coaching. Um, so that's definitely a path. So the way things have worked for the past couple of years for, for previous GAs is that they'll, they'll usually find a, a, a job that is through the, through coach Collins will help mm-hmm. us fall, find one. So I'd like to stay into coaching. Um, as seen, I also have kind of have a passion for, um, personal development so yeah. that could also be an option so maybe some way to mix the two sure. um w- would be perfect i mean you said this earlier but there's only so many matt blakes of the world sure. right there's only so many yankee pitching coaches so i'm trying to i'm trying to find where where that fit would be but i, I wish it would be at bloomsburg i really love the guys there i mean uh it's just so disappointing that you know those seniors did not get to finish their last year but uh, thankfully, there's there's one more year to to see some things through and uh, you know try to to be repeat champs because we won in 2019. So That's fantastic, we'll, man. We'll try to we'll try to skip the 2020 season. See yeah, if we right. Can repeat it next year. Yeah, what a crazy thing for everybody. I mean, like you know, just it's just such a weird it's such a weird thing, man. Like everybody's hung up. You know, I mean, what do you do? You know, I mean, there's just again, there's just nothing you can do with it and. And and hopefully the guys you know take the time to really um, see this as an opportunity though. I mean, right. good God, when whenever as a pitcher do you have this amount of time where you're able to really sit down and work on stuff? I mean, this this is a once in a career opportunity, you know. Yeah. I mean, and it, it will sucks. definitely show you the. Yeah, it will definitely show you which guys really have that passion. Yeah. Right to to, to get better because. This all this free time can either be, and this is not even for pitching. This is for oh, me and sure. you doing work. Yeah, it can either be great or it can be your demise. Yeah, right. Yeah. So we're definitely, you know, I'm I'm getting texts. I'm I'm talking to guys, and you know, sure they're disappointed that the season's ending and the college, you know, collegiate summer leagues aren't looking great right yep. now, but they're trying to do their best to take this this opportunity to refine something, refine sure. something that they think that they can they can be better at, and. uh you know that I'm not gonna lie. I've I've been part of a lot of programs, but that that nature of continuous improvement and and actually doing it on your own. I mean, there that that doesn't as a full wide team that doesn't happen often. No. And there's a lot of guys on this team that want to get better, and that's something I want to be a part of. That's super cool, man. Well, it's a good it's a good place to be then. You know, I mean, because you, you've you've got guys who are who are just as passionate about you they're just about they're they're just as passionate about what they're doing as what you're doing and that's a really that's a that's a really super important thing cuz man if if either side doesn't meet up then it's it's pretty tough you know it's no bueno there yeah, that's that's it feels like you're slogging up uphill with 800 pounds on you yeah and you know we've all been there but you know finding that way to, to, to move forward with them is it's been, it's, it's rewarding. So I think, you know, we'll go into the second year of coaching. We'll, we'll, we'll see how things go, but I, I love the rewarding nature of just working with, with athletes and with students and, and seeing growth on, on multiple levels. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, I appreciate you for taking your time out. Um, and you know, coming on, uh, do you have anywhere if people want to contact you, do you have anywhere that you want them to reach out to you? Yeah. Um, so if, you know, you're interested in Bloomsburg University, you've done all your research, you can reach out to, you know, the email that we have for the GA, which is STGA uh, base, that's B-A-S-E at uh, bloomu.edu. Um, and then if you're interested in, in talking baseball and, and looking at articles, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, 
I'm BU Coach Kress. So okay. we can all look at uh, player development articles together because that's that's the only thing I retweet. Sure. Uh, and then what is your uh, what is your podcast? Um. So my podcast, we've been just kind of rolling out on, um, you know, our first episode, but we're we're calling it Talking Ball. Uh-huh. Talking Ball. And so at the moment, I think what we're going to do is we're, we're just rolling out the the videos on YouTube and, okay. and you can listen to them. So if you follow me on Twitter, you can see me posting those and talking about uh, everything. I think this week we're actually going to talk to a, a local private sector guy who, who develops arms in the, uh, you know, Jersey shore area. Nice. He's, he's, he's really impressive and uh, we'll, we'll hope to learn a lot from him. Yeah. Very cool, man. Cool. Well, again, thanks so much for taking the time and uh, good luck to you in the future with, and then, you know, next season, I hope you guys, I hope you guys bounce back and, and you guys can take all the, the, the stuff that you've been working on and, and really kind of blaze forward and into a great season next year. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me on. Yep. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to pitching nerd show to grow the pitching nerd crew. Do me a favor, rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps me to get to better guests and more opportunities for the podcast. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you guys soon.